This is Dr. Ara Austin for the School of Molecular Sciences. This podcast is really to help our students set up in career paths that they're interested in. Welcome to this session of Graduating in Science. Now what? Today we have Ms. Mika Oba joining us on our podcast. Ms. Oba is a formulation slash cosmetic chemist and the founder of Geek Makeup Wisdom, which is a mentoring website dedicated to help students who want to pursue a career as a cosmetic chemist. So Mika, thank you so much for joining us and we're so glad to have you here. Of course, thank you so much for having me. And so as we get started, could you share your educational background uh, with our students? Sure thing. Um, so for my undergraduate studies, I did a double major at the University of California, Davis in pharmaceutical chemistry and Japanese. And then for grad school, I did University of Cincinnati's online program and got my master's in pharmaceutical chemistry, but with an emphasis on cosmetic chemistry. And I know the Japanese part is really random, and I, I did it because I wanted to give myself options back then because I wasn't sure if I wanted to be a chemist or work in the games or anime industry, so I ended up doing both majors. Uh, but Japanese actually was instrumental in helping me get a role in a big cosmetic company a few years ago because they were actually looking for a chemist who could work overseas in Japan a few times. So that major was oddly convenient and actually helped me out. That's wonderful. Yeah, you just never know what um, studies can help you. Like I minored in uh, psychology and also in communication studies. And in that process, I ended up working slightly in journalism, as well as doing a lot of statistical analysis for my PhD. So thank you for sharing that information. So I'm really curious about how your journey began, meaning what made you really get interested in cosmetic chemistry and its industry in the first place? Well, when I was in high, high school, I actually was thinking of either being a baker or a dermatologist. And as you can see, I've always been kind of all over the place with my interests. And oh. so I used to always like make birthday cakes for my friends, watch the Food Network. But at the same time, I also really loved skincare. So during my junior year, I did an internship at Kaiser working in their dermatology department. And I actually really disliked it. And I didn't like working in a hospital setting because for some reason it just didn't click with me. But I still wanted to work in skincare at some capacity. And uh, one day uh, a Sephora opened up in my city and my mom and I used to go all the time and she was just like, hey, Mika, why don't you just be one of those people who learn how to make the stuff that's sold at Sephora? And I was like, oh, that's right, someone has to know how to make these things and put it on the shelves. And so through some internet searches and stuff, uh, I learned that a cosmetic chemist uh, is the one who makes the stuff at Sephora. And so that kind of is how I got in the rabbit hole of wanting to be a cosmetic chemist. And it's just really funny for me now in hindsight looking back at what I wanted to do in high school because baking is just so similar to cosmetic chemistry in the sense that you're basically cooking and making personal care products and color cosmetics instead of food. But a lot of like the manual dexterity and a lot of the physical skills and sometimes even the science uh, ends up overlapping with each other. 
Yeah, that's so true because um, I bake and when I bake, I do my chemistry skills and put that to work. So I'm sure people that watch me bake, it's exasperating because it has to be perfect. (laughs) 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 You know, that, that, that is where the scientist comes out in me. And I'm sure it's annoying for most people. And my husband always makes fun of me because I read every direction uh, on every package because that's what we are trained to do. Right. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So as a faculty member, I know that cosmetic chemistry or more, you know, broadly formulation chemistry or even polymer chemistry is not something that is commonly offered in an undergraduate program level. So how would you recommend our students uh, in getting their foot in the door or getting the necessary courses under their belt to prepare themselves for uh, such industry? Oh man, I have a lot to say on this topic since I write about it a lot, but I think the top three things that a student can do to get their foot in the door is number one, joining the Society of Cosmetic Chemists or the SEC. Number two, getting experience with a cosmetic or pharmaceutical lab. And number three, just learning how to formulate at home. And when something isn't as straightforward as cosmetic chemistry, you have to really think outside of the box. You have to be tenacious and you have to take initiative. Um, Joining the SEC is one of the more direct ways you can get your foot in the door. Having a student membership lets you attend their meetings, gives you networking opportunities, and they also offer formulation courses. And sometimes these formulation courses are online. So if you have an SEC membership, you can uh, take them at a discounted rate because sometimes these classes can be expensive. And the SEC currently has a program called NextGen where they collaborate with undergrad universities to give students free memberships for their first year. So uh, I'm not sure if ASU is already a part of the NextGen program, but uh, you can get in contact with the SEC to establish this relationship uh, for your students. And uh, going off of my second point about getting experience in a lab, I want to point out that you don't necessarily need to work in cosmetics because like I mentioned, you can work in pharmaceutical uh, company. And I feel like a lot of people don't realize that if you work in getting experience making topical RX products, it's very similar to making skincare products. So you'll start learning the basics of formulating and how to write a formula and you'll even use the same equipment that you would if you were to make personal care products. And going back on my last point, you don't have to wait to get a job working in cosmetics to formulate. There are websites like Lotion Crafter and Making Cosmetics who sell supplies and ingredients for cheap. So you can just start making personal care products at home. And if you want to make color cosmetics, I actually recommend TKB Trading. But I also want to say that you need to be careful who you're learning from because there's a lot of misinformation and really bad formulations out there. So I do recommend starting from the literature that these websites offer because then you'll start learning how to identify crummy formulas versus feasible and safe formulas that you can make at home. 
Thank you so much for that information. And I'm not sure if we are a part of the SCC organization, but after this podcast, I will go and actively uh, <laughs> do that for my students. No problem on that. So I'm being a bit uh, very navy here and just kind of playing um, a, a somebody that doesn't know anything about cosmetics or uh, the industry itself. But when I go into a beauty store or a cosmetic section at a drugstore, there are just so many different brands and it seems like they offer a very similar type of a product. And then I do my chemist thing and start reading the ingredients and they don't seem to vary by much. So I guess my question is how do cosmetic chemists go about making a product that is new and different and novel from the rest? So for a cosmetic chemist, it's really important that we maintain good relationships with raw material suppliers or the people who make the ingredients because they can help you to stay on top of new innovations and technologies. Um, I think it's really important for a cosmetic chemist to pay attention to ingredients that offer unique textures as this is what is going to get your client or your marketing team on board with you when you really want to innovate something. You have to be able to show them an innovative visual change. Like for example, they're not gonna care about uh, a cold process emulsifier because maybe from a processing standpoint, that's really exciting to a cosmetic chemist. But a marketing uh, team or uh, your client is not going to understand what's so exciting about it unless it demonstrates something different to them. For example, some of these cold process emulsifiers have these uh, texture changing properties like the latest water break creams that everyone is starting to come out with. Uh, that, that's how you get their attention and that's how you start innovating when you start working with your raw material suppliers. And you can always read industry news, but when you have that good relationship with suppliers, it will prompt them to reach out to you directly for new launches and technologies. And they'll also give you these samples to play around with so you can innovate and make novel formulations faster than your competition. Yeah, and there was a cosmetic chemist who actually shared his experiences, I believe at an ACS symposium, and he brought up this idea or his experience that um, his task that he had to solve was making lip gloss that um, was glossy and shiny, but it wasn't sticky uh, in texture for uh, the consumer. So <laughs> I was like, oh, I never thought about that because obviously a lot of things that shiny that are shiny and glossy are also sticky. So, um, you know, depend, depending on the formulation, obviously those things will change. And also the changing of the industry standards, meaning what does the consumer want to wear uh, on their face? Like matte lipstick is very popular right now, which wasn't very mm -hmm. popular years ago, you know, standing on top of those things. Um, I think with that comes a variability on what cosmetic chemists actually do. So obviously, key skills that cosmetic chemists should have comes from experiences in the lab or actually doing the work right with their hands. So all students majoring in sciences, as you know, go through various lab courses but they may not know how to translate these skills uh, properly to real life context. So can you give them some advice about being better translator of their skills? I think that in order for you to be a good 
translator of your skills, you have to get in the habit of questioning why you do the things you do in your lab courses. For example, again, with cooking, most people can follow a recipe and do it just fine, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they understand why they're cooking something at a certain temperature or why they're mixing something for a certain amount of time. And I think that this is something that a lot of students end up doing in their lab courses, because I know that way back when I was guilty of just going through the steps without really thinking about it. And I, I know that a lot of students, when they do their lab courses or each experiment, they understand the big picture. But a lot of times, I think that they're not really scrutinizing each step and seriously contemplating why certain reagents are used or why certain equipment is used. And when you start questioning why you're doing certain steps, you'll start to pay more attention to how you do the step. And then this ties in with the manual dexterity part that you need in order to do any experiment in a lab, including making cosmetics. So in cosmetic chemistry, everyone starts off as a lab tech. And lab techs know how to follow instructions and make cosmetics. But a formulator, is the person who writes the formula and the processing instructions for the lab. Think about you know, any kind of lab experiment that you've done in class recently. Do you understand it to the point that you could have written out the instructions on how to perform the experiment? Would you be able to take the same experiment and demonstrate the same concept but with different reagents? And that in itself is the difference between just being a lab tech and being a formulator. Yeah, what a wonderful advice. And you also have a great mentoring website about being a cosmetic chemist where you share a lot of your personal experiences with the world. Um, and it's called Geek Makeup Wisdom. Can you tell us more about this website and educational courses and advice that you offer? Sure. Um, at the moment, the blog itself is just advice on how to become a cosmetic chemist, and there's a lot of emphasis on education and career advice. Uh, through the website, I offer consulting services to students if they'd like for me to review their curriculum and their offerings at their school to help them to try to get into the cosmetic industry. And I also offer an e-course on an introduction to cosmetic formulation. My main goal with that course is to really try to tie in concepts students see in their chemistry classes and relate that to formulating on the bench. And it's in its alpha stage right now, but I'll be launching the beta stage later. Wonderful. And obviously, as we all know, getting into the cosmetic science industry is really not easy. And But that's with anything we do, right? Doing anything well takes time, hard work, and dedication. What final advice can you give to our students who are interested in pursuing your career path in cosmetic chemistry? I think one way to get an employer's attention is to really stand out in a unique way. And I think uh, one interesting way to get their attention is to show your passion for cosmetic chemistry by creating content about it. Like write a blog analyzing the ingredients of your favorite formulas, make YouTube videos of formulas you've made at home. Uh, just really think outside the box to help you stand out from everyone else. 
because a lot of students, you know, they can get an FCC membership, they can take lab courses, but when you make content, you can really demonstrate your love and skill for cosmetic chemistry. And you can also try uh, considering collaborating with a professor on some kind of subtopic of cosmetic chemistry that you're really interested in, like working with a botany professor to make greener ingredients or working with a microbiology professor to understand the skin microbiome. So just really think outside of the box and do other things that other people wouldn't do. Thank you so much, Mika. I want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. We certainly learned a lot from you and we enjoyed having you here. Thank you for having me today. More information on this episode of Graduating in Science, Now What? can be found on School of Molecular Sciences website, sms.asu.edu.